brackets are out. The field of 68 is set. The NCAA tournament is here. College basketball's best time of year has officially um, come upon us, and I, I'm very excited. Um, we had a relatively drama-free selection Sunday. I say that as Some of you. Jesus. <laughs> the Friars the were sweating, no doubt. And, and like we, we weren't even that close to the cut line. It was just the way that they revealed it. Yeah. Because first, all right, you know, you're like, okay, it's, it's either going to be an 11 or a 10. And we got NC State not in the playing game. And I was like, ah, oh, I think we might be in the playing game. And then we saw Utah State. And I was like, ah, oh, we're definitely in the playing game. And then we saw the first playing game, Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. Like, all right, I guess we're still in the playing game. And then when I saw the six seed TCU came up, I was like, wait a second, we can't play TCU. We already played. I'm like, we are fucked. And then it was Arizona State and Nevada. And I was like, I thought only one of those teams was getting in. And then I was like, it's either us or Rutgers. Um, and we snuck out that last 11 seed, 15 from the cut line. But um, no, no, most- so- what I was going to say was it was generally low. Like, I think last year's selection show had a lot of controversy surrounding it with the AM thing. Rutgers missed the tournament, and I think people were upset that Rutgers missed the tournament. But I don't feel like, and it was like an historically outlier compared to the bracket matrix. But I think everyone was like, okay, well, Rutgers also lost four quad three games. They don't really have a leg to stand on. Moving on. Well, I, right. So, most people had Rutgers in instead of Nevada. That was what it came down to. I, I had, you know, I think it was Friday morning or, or or maybe Saturday morning. I was like, all right, I think we got one spot for Arizona State, Nevada, and Oklahoma State. And I was leaning Arizona State for that spot. I'm honestly surprised Nevada got it because they limped down the stretch. Their resume was kind of built for the, for like the strength of record metrics and the, and the computer metrics. So maybe that, Maybe they gave them a leg up, but um, yeah, for Rutgers, they have the big win at Purdue, um, but they lost at home to Seton Hall. They lost to Temple on a neutral. They didn't have their guards for that game, but then when 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 you compound that with the Seton Hall loss, when you compound it, well, they just lost to Minnesota like just just the other day, and they also lost home to Nebraska. Um, I know people were saying it wasn't fair that they got bumped because their fifth best player got hurt. Like that's not the reason. Like how how are we so gullible still? We had pre the selection show we're talking about how the selection committee is going to reverse the result of the Rutgers Ohio State game. Like how how can you guys believe stuff like this that 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 was going to happen? Like like what are we talking about? But I, I do think in general, right, like, I think Rutgers belonged in. I had them in over Nevada. Um, but I also don't think Rutgers was playing like a tournament team on the stretch. Um, I, I think in all likelihood, had they made the tournament, I would have, you know, fired up uh, on the first one. I would have fired up Sportsbook.com and bet against Rutgers. Just because, again, I, I just don't really like how they played. Um, but that said, like, I do feel for them. I think they're like a... They're an easy program to root for, the way that they have operated, the way that Pykele has done it, and for them to have an elite win on the road at Purdue and not get in, I, I was I was a little surprised by. But 
not an overly shock-filled selection show. Um, I was one of the few people, it seemed like, who got the seed, the number one seeds in proper order. It seemed like a lot of people were ready to anoint Kansas ahead of Houston and or um, Alabama. And my guess is they would have jumped Houston if not for the um, fact that the American Tournament Championship game is on Sunday at 2.30 and the committee just decides we don't care after a certain point in time. But, you know, I... I I don't think the committee made any massive gaffes, right? I think you could criticize the AM seating at seven. I think they could be as high as a five. I think Colgate is, you know, got got a poor seed, a poor poor setup, but like they're not like the overwhelming outliers of last year. No, the one that people are picking on the most is Texas A and M, um, which you know could could be. Uh, retaliation for trying to show up the committee last year when they were upset that they got bumped. Um, it's funny, this te- Texas, Texas A&M Penn State game has a little feel to it of the Iowa Richmond game last year where like everyone is going to be on Texas A&M. And now obviously Penn State is way better than that Richmond team last year. But like, I I bet among national college basketball fans and national college basketball media i bet 90 percent of people picked xam what's funny about that is that going into the collection job was that penn state was going to be in that position but they're playing really well coming in hot everyone's going to pick them maybe you want to pick against them well they play am kind of like picking against them in that in that case but the game i actually thought it reminded me of was this is i think six years ago now Michigan, Oklahoma State, when Michigan had come off, they had like that weird plane crash and had to wear their practice jerseys at the Big Ten tournament. And uh, Oklahoma State was this is the one year of Jawan Evans uh, with Brad Underwood. That's that's the game where both where in general you don't like the sevens and ten seed, seven through ten seeds, but these two teams are actually very hot and could make things interesting. I don't remember a ton from that game. Wasn't that like a very high scoring game? I believe so. I mean, that Oklahoma State team could score. That was Juwan Evans and Phil Forte. and they were the number one uh, offense in the country for Ken Palm that year. And they lost 92-91 in the tournament. Behind 20, Juwan Evans had 23-7 and 12 assists. Just outdueled. This, is, this Michigan lineup was uh, Derek Walton, Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman, he was good. Uh, Zach Zach Irvin, DJ Wilson, and Mo Wagner with Duncan Robinson coming off the bench. That's a good group. Rockman was good. Name name. Do you remember a single other player from the Oklahoma State team? It's a real question. Um, is it Kamari Murphy? And no, he's not on them. No. No. Um, was it was his name Mitchell Solomon? Like a. Big white. Yes, Mitchell Solomon was on this team. Yes. Wide body center. They had they had Juwan. They had Phil Forte. Now an assistant at St. Louis. They had Jeffrey Carroll. He was really good. Yep. And they had Leighton Hammonds. And their bench was guys who became role players, uh, like Brandon Averett, Cam McGriff, and Lindy Waters. Lindy Waters of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know it's crazy, but anyway, I, I do think that game has kind of a similar vibe to it. Um, there are some fun matchups without a doubt. 
um, some interesting regions. We're not going to do the like, let's pick every game because everyone does that. And my bracket's public. If you go to si.com, check out the expert brackets. Me and Pat Forty have ours out. Brad, I don't know if you plan on tweeting out your bracket or whatnot, but um, I guess I guess to start, it does feel like everyone's picking Alabama, right, to, to win it all. I know this is kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but. Yeah, because when I, when I started mine, I, I felt great about the first round, and each progressive round I felt worse and worse. And no matter where I kind of made a made a, a tweak, it either got too big east or too chalk. Uh, so I I just threw it out, and I, I went back to the drawing board. I'm staring at a blank bracket as we speak. Because, um, yeah, my first round, I had Alabama, I had UConn, I had... Um, I had UConn, I had Houston, I think, and I had, I think, Duke. And then listening to these podcasts, I mean, UConn is super popular, Duke super popular. Um, go, going back to the drawing board, and then it got too chalky. So the so the, I was going to say Alabama's the favorite that everyone's talking about. The betting favorite everywhere, every sports book, including Bovada, has Houston as the favorite, which I understand. I understand why Houston's favorite. The metrics say they're really good, whatever. I guess Sasser was out, but did you watch that Memphis game? I I didn't watch anything on Sunday. It was horrible. Sunday just felt so meaningless with no A10 bid thief. Yeah. It felt felt the felt like the stakes were were, were really low. Um I did see him get hurt against Cincinnati with that split. I mean, it sounds like he'll be okay, which is a good thing, obviously. And I get that Sasser and Shedder both kind of jump shot, jump shooting guys, and they didn't shoot it well in that game. But I worry about this Houston team. Like, I know everything feels kind of lined up for them. You have the injury at UC, injuries at UCLA. You have, you know, Bill Self's health in question. You have... Alabama dealing with the Brennan Miller situation. They, until the SEC tournament, had not played like the team they were in January. Um, you've got all these things. It's like, oh man, it's just, it's got to be Houston, right? And maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it humbles them. It gets them hungrier for the dance, whatever. But like, it was hard. It was hard to watch that and say, man, that's a team that's going to win a championship because Shad was just so, just okay. They don't have a lot of other offensive weapons. Um, the lack of a post presence, I think, really, really matters. I get that they can just kind of outwork you to win games, but to get all the way to the title, I, I, I really do have my doubts. And I, I think that region sets up okay for them, but there are some dangerous teams that I think could knock Houston out of getting that kind of desired Final Four in city. Well, I mean, just in that kind of top right, not even the full quadrant, just like that little section uh, to, to go to the Elite Eight. You have teams like Iowa and Miami that that can really score it, that are su- super dangerous, that can catch fire offensively. Then you have teams like Auburn and Indiana that can match Houston's size and, and athleticism, right? With Auburn going with, you know, Jani Broom and Dylan Cardwell and um, Jalen Williams – Chris Moore, like these big athletic dudes. 
Indiana's going with Trace Jackson Davis, one of the best players in the country. Obviously, super athletic big man. Ray's Thompson, Malik Renu. Um, so th- there, there are two ways this can go, right? Where, where you can maybe trip Houston up with size and athleticism, or maybe with the just like an outburst in scoring. Um, but I, I, I think personally, I not not being the biggest Houston lover, I still like them against any of those potential matchups, and obviously any Kent State or Drake um, shenanigans as well. Yeah, I said this on the Field 68 last night with, with Carter Elliott and Greg Waddell from Sleepers, and encourage you guys to go check their content out if you don't already. They are two of the funniest dudes on the internet. Um, just 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 really good stuff. Um, that being said, like I think Indiana-Kent State is the most important game of the first round. Because I really think Kent State has a chance to win that game. Like, that team is... Excellent, excellent defensively. They already pushed Gonzaga and Houston early in the season. They've got the defensive-minded guard to neutralize Hood Shafino. They've got the point guard to make big plays. I know they don't have, like, a true center where you say, okay, that's the guy who can match up with Trace. But, like, Penn State against Indiana did not make a ton of threes to win that game. They went 8 of 23 from three. But... And and Trace had 24, 10, and 7, right? But when you force, you know, Bates and Hood Shafino and Cop and those guys to, to, to make shots and Race Thompson take 10 shots, when you force those guys to do that and when Indiana's guard don't take over the game, right, when you force them to make plays and they don't take over the game, as Hood Shafino didn't, Hood Shafino had 11 points on 4 for 13, you, they are very, very beatable. They are just so beatable. And I, I think the matchup is not great for Indiana. Now, that said, if Indiana can can get through that, I think that the Hoosiers have a real chance because I, I do think there's some stuff they can do matchup-wise against against Houston. I do think that that's, you know, that, that, that against Miami, they'll be able to, you know, exploit a little bit on the interior with, 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 with Trace. That said, like... It's just scary to say I'm going to pick them to go to the final four because I don't know if they're making it out of the first round. That's that's a that's kind of the thing that could really blow it up, right? Is kind of like you 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 look at these Big Ten teams and and in their draws felt like Indiana probably you would give them the best chance to make, make the deep run. Um, a lot of people were saying Michigan State, which I disagree with. But Yeah. I mean, USC is pretty good. I, I saw that, I think, in the Jordan Sperber video, that they have an elite two-point defense led, led down there by Josh Morgan. We know they have great guards with Boogie Ellis and, Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson. I mean, they have pretty comparable, if not more, talent than Michigan State. And, you know, maybe I'm not giving Michigan State enough credit um, because, you know, with Tyson Walker and Hauser and Hall, they have some pretty good offensive players. It just never feels like Michigan State has an overwhelming amount of talent. No, I agree with that. Um, And I get that, like, you know, you've got Izzo. They've got a really, you know, they've got good guards. Maybe they 
get on a run here. And they were playing well until the conference tournament. They were terrible against Ohio State. But until then, they were playing really, really well. So, again, it wouldn't shock me. But I, I do I do think in general a lot of these Big Ten teams didn't get great, great draws. Um, I think the one Big Ten team that, that kind of did get a good draw. Was your Wildcats. I know. Right, first round, you got to love that matchup, right? Like, Yeah, Boise State's small, right? They got Najee Smith at, at the five pretty much, who's – No no disrespect to – Solid Boise. glue they guy. a great year, but – Dagan Hart's not an athlete. Max Rice isn't an athlete. Agbo's not really an athlete. He's a shooter too. I mean, they have a lot of three-point shooting. Shaver's obviously a great scoring guard. Um, they have and a lot. Rely on isolating. You can't. Like you, it's really hard to isolate against Northwestern defense. You got to pass pass out of it. You got a monster in the back with Matt Nicholson, and you got a great defender up front with Chase Adige. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's that's one of the games I was super confident in. Was 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 Northwestern over Boise State, and then you get you UCLA, who is hobbled, but they still look pretty good this weekend without Clark and then without Bona for a pretty big chunk as well. Yeah, everyone seems like really, really prepared to just pick UCLA to head. Like, yeah, UCLA's gonna make the Sweet 16 at bounce. And like, I'm not totally convinced they're not making them on a four still. I think it's gonna be hard to win a championship without Clark, but like, they've got some tremendous players. And like, we talk about lack of depth with some of these teams, right? Like Creighton's won, Xavier's won, now UCLA has won. I mean, we have longer commercial breaks and stuff, longer half times. Figure probably NCAA tournament games are played at a slower pace than re- regular season games. And the five that you're going to put on the floor, uh, Tiger Campbell, who was awesome in the Pac-12 tournament, Amar Bailey, who was not so awesome when I watched, um, outside of that one dunk, David Singleton, Hami Haquez, and then hopefully they get Bona back. But that that five, even with with having a very shaky young bench behind those guys, I mean that that's still a really good you know group of five. You you can run with that five. I agree with that. I think the concern you have is foul trouble, and I think the concern you have is replacing Clark, all of Clark's minutes with Singleton is a big defensive drop-off, as is any of the bench minutes instead of Singleton. It's Andrews, who's small, or it's um, Mill McClendon, who's not at all a weapon offensively, or Abramo Kanko, who's talented, but I don't know. I'm... I'm worried about it, but I'm not like alarm bells. I will say that I was just looking now while you were talking about UCLA, because um, you said Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern was like your your one of your easier picks. I know uh, I, I, Bovada has Boise State actually is the favorite. Oh, that's just because. Yeah, but that even though Northwestern's not even playing that well, like to me that's like a that's like a slam dunk pick first round. I, I mean, we can move to one of my ones I was debating the most. Um, that was VCU and St. Mary's. VCU 
has the backcourt, they have the pressure, they have the athleticism. But like they're not very big. I mean, Brandon Johns and Jalen Deloach has your front court. It's not a huge front court, obviously. Talent level wise, probably more similar to a WCC team than a power conference team, I'd say. And St. Mary's usually runs through those type of teams. I don't know if they have quite enough size and athleticism to disrupt the St. Mary's offense. So I think my view on, I've actually been pretty confident on VCU. Uh, I'll tell you why. Like I think, I think VCU does as good a job of any team in the country of forcing you to play their style of game. And I do think their athletes will cause problems for St. Mary's. I think VCU is an incredibly athletic team outside of, of Shriver, who's this kind of like chunky white shooter, which I actually think all teams should have. Like, kind of like St. Peter's had last year where they just got all these like kind of athletic black dudes and then just dug. VCU has all these athletic dudes and then Shriver. And maybe just on vibes alone, I'm going to pick VCU to go to the Elite Eight because of it. But um, they haven't played really, really well. I think they'll be able to disrupt. I, I think they'll be able, they will be able to force turnovers against Mahaney. Right? I, I love Aiden Mahaney, but freshman point guard in this setting, the travel is really rough for them as well. They got to fly from Moraga to Albany. That's on the, that's that's a hell of a trip. Um, about as long as you could possibly have travel wise. So I'm I'm concerned about St. Mary's. I think VCU has a chance to. To win that game, I feel pretty good about it, actually, um, particularly because they've just looked the part in February and March. Like, I know there were people tweeting during the uh, A-10 championship game, both teams should be in. This is crazy. And I was like, well, you know, maybe, like, accomplish something. So I, I went on Torvik, and I, I just picked 2-1 as a random date, February 1st, you know, six. Six sure. weeks of of, uh, of games in there. Since 2-1, VCU is 28th in Torvik, and St. Mary's is 35th in Torvik. Um, is that too random? Is that too small a sample? Or does that get the point across? I don't know. But um, I think my, my view is this game feels more like an 8-9 than a 5-12. I'd agree with that. I, I've, I've never been high on the St. Mary's talent level um it kind of coincidentally that same date range has me seeing drake is 24th since february 1st 10 and 1 miami is 39th and they went eight and two so 15 spots higher since 2-1 that miami game is tricky because and I'm wondering if there will be some line movement as we get closer to Friday and we have a better sense of whether Norchad O'Meer will play. Because, like, right now, when you go on Bovada, Drake is a two-and-a-half-point dog. Like, that, that says to me that Norchad's not playing. I 
I just assumed that they pulled him for mostly precautionary reasons. But did I you see the injury? There. He was hurt. I think it was an ankle. My, yeah. my, my, my worry with, with, with Miami without Norchad is because of Darnell Brody on the inside, they're, like Drake's able to do some pretty good work around the rim, not even offensively, just like defensively taking stuff away. And I think if you can stop Miami from being able to drive, and Brody's actually a better – like Brody's more mobile than you realize and can does a nice job in their ball screen coverages um, – I know that Bradley doesn't have like really electric guards, especially in comparison to a team like Miami, which has Wong and it has Pack and it has Poplar, right? And Miller who can create in the ball screen. Like the that is concerning. But I, I, I really do believe like 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 I, I think they've got like I think Drake will be able to dominate the rim if they don't have Omir. And if that's the case, then it just becomes like can Drake's guards hang in. I think they can. Penn and Wilkins and Tucker are really good. So that game is kind of a toss up to me. I picked Miami. Um, I, I picked that. I, I believe I picked Miami. Um, but I actually have to check my bracket to confirm. Give me a moment. But um, do you like the other game in that region? Iona, Iona UConn? I feel like UConn should win. I, I mean, they've been playing exceptionally well. So it's Iona, to be fair. Or I was confused. Excuse me. Miami Drake is in the region with Kent State and and Indiana. I have Miami beating Drake and then beating Kent. So I have Kent beating Indiana. But it wouldn't surprise me if it winds up going the other way, where Indiana beats Kent and then Drake beats Miami and then Indiana beats Drake. I could see any any imagination there. Could could you see the double upset, the Drake over Miami and the Kent State over Indiana? We get that fairly often, right? Like a 12-13 game? It happens sometimes. I would love it. I mean, it'd be great. But anyway, on that, on that UConn game, um, Iona has not lost since they got punked by Siena. Coincidentally, in the same arena that... I don't know. We'll play this game. So, but doesn't Iona feel? And I, you should be an authority on this, given this is your conference. Don't they feel like the worst 13 seed by far? Maybe not compared to Lafayette, but they're definitely worse than Kent State and Furman, right? They're not worse than Furman. They're better than Furman. They are okay. Yeah. If they were playing Virginia, like I, I, I think they would win by 10. Yep. I, Virginia was an auto, auto favorite. They, they, they looked gross. Um, e- even blowing out Clemson, they didn't look that. You know, they didn't look that scary. Um, and the Duke game that was painful to watch. Vander Plaza being out is interesting. I know I saw Jim Root was tweeting about how they had much better on off on off numbers with Shedrick. I've I've always been a huge Shedrick guy. They're still starting Caffaro. Um, yeah, the, the whole Gardner Vanderplas front court was very anti-Virginia. You know, that's 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 not their usual front court combination. They're usually bigger and they have a big screen setter in there. Um and 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 their guards are really starting, I think, to you know, the 
the care just turned back into a pumpkin a little bit with with their guards back from the start of the year where everyone was having Reese Beekman as a NBA draft pick. I don't think that's in the cards anymore. So yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely picking for him over, over Virginia. But on the Island game, like Iona has two really good guards in Jenkins and Clayton. They have a big in Nellie Joseph. They have the coaching advantage in the game with Pitino versus Hurley. I will say, I do think UConn's really good. I think UConn probably does find a way to win the game. I'm picking UConn. But Boneyard will be an all-time read if they lose that game. Oh, I mean, you got to put Hurley a witness protection program if they lose that game. Well, right. yeah, they're going to have to find a way to whack him so they can hire Rick before St. John's does. But from from UConn's perspective, I mean, they have so much positional size. They have great athleticism. You know, Andre Jackson should be able to neutralize either Joseph or one of these guards. No, on will guard a guard. We'll guard a guard because Sonogo will match Joseph, and then they'll stick. I'm trying to think of who you're UConn can just hide – UConn can hide Caravan on Osborne Shima. And, you know, the UConn-Marquette game was actually pretty similar to the UConn-Providence game in January, where Providence came back and won just because UConn just missed a ton of wide-open shots. I mean, in that Marquette game on Friday, it felt like Joey California had, like, three or four wide-open threes that he missed. Jordan Hawkins missed, like, almost every three he took. Uh, and Hawkins was on absolute heater before that. Um Newton's a very good shooter. Obviously, Caravan knocks him down. So they, even you know, their bench is is filled with shooters. I think between their 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 size and size with Klingon and Sonogo, their athleticism and their three point shooting, I think against a mid major like Iona, their lack of point guard play won't won't be exposed. I I I think they'll win going away. I do think Iona will will press. And that's something that Rick Pitino teams obviously have done historically. They have not done a ton this year because of um, depth concerns. But I would be I would be surprised if Rick doesn't pull out some full court pressure and try to really disrupt and see what happens. But you know, I'm not going to rule it out just because I think Rick and those guards are really good. Like I think Walter Clayton's better than any guard other than Hawkins on 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 UConn. Um, you think he's better than Tristan Newton? Oh yeah. Well, I I mean Hawkins is legitimately approaching lottery territory at this point. No, no, you're yeah. Hawkins is for sure better than Walter, but Walter is really good. I also will say I will be in the building. And uh, last year I was in the building for the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference's representative. Um, that was the the Cox. So just putting it so, out there. So you're going to Albany for Friday? I'll be in Albany all weekend. Yep. Um, all five, twelve, and four, thirteen games, which is pretty good. So now here's here's the the a big question here. W- what will trigger a bigger meltdown? UConn losing the first round to Iona or Kentucky losing the first round to Providence? Uh, I think UConn, based on the scale of the fan bases, right? So Kentucky's is bigger, so they're obviously going to have a bigger reaction. But I think the Kentucky fans are already like kind of out on Cal. I think with Hurley, it'd be like, oh, shit, type of, type of deal. You know what I mean? Like, 
Now, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pick Providence as like a hopeful pick, but as, as someone who watched all their games with both my eyeballs, I can't in good conscience say that they have a good shot here. I mean, they've been waxed. They got waxed in the in, in the Big East tournament against UConn. Now you say, well, well, like they they cut it down to five. Well, when when you get up or or when when you're down by 28, uh, <laughs> is that you know you you erase 23 of the 28 points of the deficit? But I mean, you're down 28, and then the other team probably stopped caring a bit. They got waxed against Seton Hall. They got waxed and then came back against Xavier. They got waxed in the second half against UConn toward the end of February. Um, their defense has fallen off a cliff. The The only hope is that being primetime center stage NCAA tournament, national TV versus Kentucky, little Bryce Hopkins revenge, galvanizes them to the point that they remember how to play defense. Um, but the fact that a lot of our offense comes off offensive rebounding, and we're going to be up against one of the best rebounders in the country with Shibwe and a huge four-man in Toppin, huge three-man in Livingston. I I don't really see a logical way to pick Providence except for you know teams that limp into the tournament win games all the time. Teams much worse than Providence beat teams much better than this Kentucky team. That kind of hopeful – Miracle attitude is kind of the only uh, only positive thing I can say about this matchup. So I'm Kentucky because I think there's obviously intrigue with them beyond will they there's there's intrigue there beyond just can they be Providence. Um, and that's because. Like, I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, K-State is going to, like, go to the Final Four. I kind of think Kentucky could beat K-State in the second round. My, my thing with Kentucky is every time I think I've come around to them, they disappoint me, right? Like, yeah. part of it is those two Vanderbilt games. Vanderbilt was like a random wagon down the stretch until Texas A&M. But it's not like, like Kentucky every time is like, oh, man, here, here they come. They're really playing well. They've got this huge win, you know, huge winner up. Oops, they just lost to Vanderbilt. And got kind of handled doing it, right? And I actually think that second-round matchup could be really, really interesting because the one thing that Kentucky has really struggled to do is just contain dribble penetration, right? Put people in ball when, – when they get put in ball screens, like Vanderbilt, like Ezra Mignon was destroying that in that game. Like they got fried in ball screens. And – I do think Jerome Tang is the type of coach where he's just going to be like, go to it. Like, Noel, 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 like, you're going to go make play. Keep going until they stop it. And they're not going to stop it all day. But, you know, Kentucky is clearly like, – like, Kentucky is the more talented team. Without question. Absolutely. I mean, Wallace and Reeves is, like, a really good backcourt. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about that whole kind of pod, that whole bottom, that whole bottom of the East, because 
you got this Marquette storyline where everyone has just decided Marquette sucks. And it's so frustrating. Mar- Marquette, everyone's like, they have no chance at the Big East tournament. They beat UConn at Madison Square Garden. And everyone's like, well, they're probably losing to Izzo. Why? And I was talking to some people who do like analytical modeling and things who've been down on Marquette and they said, well, um, one of the big reasons is that traditionally breakout teams, teams that weren't well regarded in the preseason, don't do well in the tournament. And teams that don't have like highly rated recruits slash NBA players don't do well in the tournament. That's fair. But I do think Marquette has two kind of fringy NBA players in Omax and Oso. They have one of the best point guards in the country. Um, and I do think that the preseason stuff is probably slightly less important nowadays because we know we know less we know less about the teams. And we talked about that last week in the context of the Coach of the Year awards. But like again, Marquette might lose in, in the first round. Like they might lose to Vermont. They might lose to you know Michigan State. I'm not saying that they're gonna automatically roll, but it does feel like they have just been written off. And I think that team is really good. Well, I, I mean, did, were, were people buying Alabama in the preseason, really? I think no. I had like 11 or... No, but they were in the AP preseason poll, and they have NBA-level talent. So, obviously, Brandon Miller is top three pick at this point. Noah Clowney, I think I've seen him more now on mocks for next year. Noah will go this year, and will be top 20, in my opinion. Top 20. But, like, those, those are young potential guys. Like, Omax could go and get a two-way this year. Is that more indicative of NBA talent than a guy in Clowney who might go first round, but it's going to take a few years to become a rotation player in the NBA? I mean, I guess the, the, the model people know, know more than I do, but, I mean, there's – there's a scenario where people look at this Marquette roster in the preseason and, 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 and buy it, right? I mean, you had Kolek and Omax back. Oso was a top 100 recruit. Kim Jones was a good recruit. Steve Mitchell was a good recruit. Joplin. It's like they they had good recruits. I mean, maybe they were, they were like a year early based on the normal recruit improvement curve. But I I wouldn't necessarily say... I'm buying Marquette as like a Final Four team or even like an Elite Eight team, but I don't see why they would be any more susceptible to losing than Texas with um, a lack of size and an interim coach fighting for his job and a UCLA team that's hampered or you know, Baylor hasn't, hasn't been playing well on the three line. Kansas State doesn't have a ton of talent at all on, on – on three lines, so I mean, I don't. Xavier's a three seed. You can't tell me that Xavier's a better pick for March Madness than Marquette. I mean, I don't know. I agree. I agree. Um, but that whole region is is interesting. Um, the other thing that everyone seems to be doing is like Purdue, Purdue, Memphis. People, it's over. Purdue season's over, guaranteed to Memphis. That's what everyone's got. Me too. You think you think they will pull it off? 
I have a pick too, just because I don't want to miss on miss the vote, but it does feel like the whole world is saying Memphis is, is winning this game. I mean, isn't this the exact type of team that gives Purdue a lot of trouble? They can they can pressure the ball. They have experienced old guards versus Purdue's young guards. You know, they're more athletic than Purdue. They have some physical dudes that obviously don't have Edie's height, but maybe you can bang them on on, on the interior. Um, and, and they can really muck this up. Yes. I I also think that Memphis can press Purdue. And we've seen Purdue struggle with the press. And, and it's hard to, to run your offense through the post if the other team's going to be applying so much ball pressure. No doubt. And like Florida is good on on Saturday night. Like they they legitimately looked good, but I, I mean Memphis just just beat Houston. They they they've been looking the part down the stretch. They have two of the top what 40, 50 players in the country with Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. Um, I, I think that they certainly have a talent edge over. Conference USA, Florida Atlantic team. Um, yeah, by the way, FAU, people are like ready to be like, oh, FAU's a fraud. They got the worst possible draw. Like, if FAU was playing Iowa, FAU would win that game going away. FAU is moving up to the American next year, right? That's correct. I mean, Conference USA must want to kill them. I mean, they were locked in the tournament. They didn't give the league a second bid, and now they're scooting off to a better league. They tried to give Middle Tennessee a bid. That semifinal game, that was, that was, that was baffling. He gave up the four-point play that missed the free throw, offensive rebound, two point-blank looks for the win. Golden came over the block. Yeah, I, I was at work checking the score. Because uh, if Florida Atlantic loses that game, Providence is in the playing game. That was a high-stakes high affair. And all the bubble people were, were, were sweating out like crazy. Um, but I just wanted to point out that for that game, Purdue versus – for excuse me, for, for Memphis versus FAU, Memphis is still only a two-point favorite on Bovada. I think people – People are talking about that game like it's a much bigger number. And it does feel that way. But that team is 31-3 and three for a reason. That's fair. How about, um, here's another kind of interesting one. Tennessee and Louisiana Lafayette. Obviously, no Zakai Ziegler. I think if this was a different 13 seed in here, I think a lot more people would be Jumping on, or, or or maybe I'm not. Don't don't have my finger on the pulse. You know, maybe a lot of people have been picking Louisiana Lafayette over Tennessee, but um, given Lafayette's best player being Jordan Brown, a big big guy, and Tennessee certainly has the bigs to be physical and disruptive against him. I think Tennessee can pull this off without Ziegler. So that upset, I think 
you feel good that Louisiana can hang athletically, but I don't know how they score. This, uh, who do you think has has a lower scoring game? This Tennessee, Louisiana, Lafayette, or or if if we get an Iowa State, Mississippi State. Iowa State, Mississippi State would be like one of the worst games in tournament history. Does nice. Mississippi State shoot like 25% from three or something? Every time I turn them on, they're just like hammering the ball into Tolu Smith. That's how they beat Marquette was with that ragged physicality. But Iowa State is also, you know, big inside with Ashuni and Jones. They're going to try to muck it up too. So that is <laughs> that is going to be one to watch, certainly. What about them versus Pittsburgh? Well, Pittsburgh has better guards than Mississippi State, right? Yeah. They're also very physical. With they are. Vincent and uh, Jamarius Burton. Yeah. They obviously have way more shooting, though. Yeah. Talk about a lack of first four juice, though. I think Arizona State-Nevada could, could be a really good game, but obviously there's very little juice there outside of the – Desmond Cambridge, uh, Warren Washington revenge game. Yeah, no, no, no. Like that's funny, but like, like nationally, like no one cares. And there's no like, it's there's no it's it's high major, mid major, but like Nevada doesn't feel that mid major. They've got you know, they're not playing well coming in. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think of either as like being overly like upset. Either game is being like producing a team that's gonna pull make a run. Like I know I've seen people maybe maybe Arizona State could be TCU. I do think that either Mississippi State or Pitt could beat Iowa State because I don't think Iowa State's very good. But I don't know if I'm gonna get canceled again by the Iowa State fans for that. But my apologies. Yeah, we, already, we already apologized and admitted we were wrong, and now <laughs> now we have to backtrack. Um, but in terms of just the overall juice of these first four games, I mean, so last year it was Rutgers and Notre Dame, old Big East matchup, and then the other one was Alabama. No, or didn't Notre Dame be Alabama in the first round? Yeah, early towards ACL. So the yeah. other playing game was Indiana, Wyoming. Yes. Um, Notre Dame are bigger brands than anything we have here. Right. But like putting Providence, NC State, Rutgers, Oklahoma State, none of that would have solved it. You could tell the committee really wanted to put UNC in the tournament. They put him as the third team out. That's like as high as you could like possibly realistically fathom. I think most people had them like seventh or eighth out. Um, UNC would have brought the Jews. Michigan would have brought the juice, but uh, I, I guess it, it was a step too far to kind of bend it in the UNC's favor. Well, I know what would have been the best first four would be one one game that had North Carolina in it and one that had College of Charleston. But Charleston won its league and like College of Charleston versus, I don't know, even Pitt would be like a funny game. Is the Cardinals Charleston any good? I, I, I watched them, I think, twice last week. I was not impressed whatsoever. No, no, I don't think they're very good. I mean, I think they're a good team, but, like, 
They feasted on a. They have no size. They have no athleticism. It is let it fly from. from and they feasted on the worst CAA ever in a home heavy non-con. Larson is the the the, uh, the point guard from Wofford. He's a good player. He's good. He's very he's very fast with the ball. He can hit shots. But they they were like noticeably small. They they looked like a 14 or 15 seed out there, I thought. And San Diego State is noticeably big. Yeah. Except for Tramel. I, I actually thought San Diego State was going to be pretty vulnerable just because, you know, you talk to coaches around that league. Like, in terms of, like, they're just easy to guard. Like, they're not very complicated. But I, I think they'll just kind of be able to overwhelm a little bit when um, College of Charleston. And I actually think if they have a decent path to the Sweet 16, because as we said with that game, like, Virginia and – Furman, neither of those teams like, – I, I think Furman's good, but, like, I'm not, like – I wasn't, like, sprinting to go pick Furman until I thought they were playing Virginia. Right. And, you know, it's kind of un, un, unfortunate because everyone loves the David versus Goliath matchup, and we're getting that certainly with Duke and Oral Roberts and with Miami and Drake. But the fact that two, two of the five seeds were, were mid-majors yeah, uh, kind of put a damper. I – I, right, like I would been, I would have been sprinting to bet, um, like if Iowa State was a five and they were playing Oral Roberts, I'd be sprinting to bet that game. Yeah, but Duke, Duke is too big and too athletic. So I think I think Oral Roberts is a chance because I think Oral Roberts can pick and pop lively off the floor. Are we that worried about Connor Van over three pointers? I mean, he's not O'Banner, but yeah. I'm sure that's a thing that, that will happen a lot, but, you know, I'm kind of out on the stretch five. I think it's kind of gimmicky. I agree, but, like, it also works in a one-game setting. They have an elite guard, and Vanover can block shots, which I think will make it difficult on Roach. I'm not saying they're going to win. I, I'm picking Duke to win the game, to be clear. But I, I think you could talk yourself into why Oral Roberts can hang. Yeah, I, I mean, almost any other matchup, I would have given or Roberts a stronger look. But, I mean, Duke's playing better. They have, the, they have, I think, a level of size and athleticism playing Mark Mitchell at the three. Having a seven-footer at the four and Filipowski that can handle the ball a little bit, he can shoot. I think that's two, a huge point guard in Proctor. Great scorer in Roach. I think that's too much for Oral Roberts to handle. Um now, yeah, if if Oral Roberts had San Diego State, if they had St. Mary's, I think I'd probably pick pick Oral Roberts. But uh, I'm I'm pretty confident in Duke going to the Sweet 16, being Oral Roberts in Tennessee. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think I think because of the region they're in, like I think Duke will match up well against Purdue a second time around. I think Duke would match up. Pretty well against Memphis. Like I think they have a good chance to get the Elite Eight. And then we'll get like, oh, the ACC was underrated again. No, no, no. Duke was just hot. Well, I mean, if, if Virginia and Miami go down, NC State has a really tough matchup against Creighton. Um, Creighton obviously has an incredible rim protector, and they also have very good defenders on on. on on the perimeter, so NC State's going to really have to be hitting those those tough shots 
uh, like they did against UNC a couple weeks ago when they looked absolutely in, in, incredible. Um, and then Pitt's obviously in the playing game, so they have quite an uphill climb to earn the respect of the, I guess, the national consensus. Um, what is your favorite upset pick? First round. Favorite in terms of most likely to happen or kind of like most interesting outcome? How about both? Um, so I think most likely to happen, I think it's Vernon. Agreed. Over Virginia. Most interesting one. Well, well so we said that a Providence win or an Iona win would absolutely cause social media and message board chaos. That would be pretty interesting, obviously. Um, but I I think this Kent State-Indiana one, Indiana has so much on the line. Obviously, they fire Archie Miller um, and, and Tom Crean, who, who built some solid teams. Crean more so than Archie Miller. They recruited well. They go into Mike Woodson. Kind of disappointing, but mostly acceptable year last year. They won the they're, they're playing game against Wyoming. This year was we're gonna win the Big Ten. They had a great year. They were four seed. If it all comes crashing down um, against Kent State, you know, a mid-major team in, in the Midwest, um, that could be like a real not only a turning point for the bracket because you, you get Miami as a second consecutive year making the second weekend or that could lead to Houston making it farther. Um, but the Indiana fan reaction, I'm sure, would also be similar to the UConn and Kentucky with uh, meltdown mode. I think it would just turn on Trace. You'd be like, yeah, Trace can never win a big game. Trace, you know, whatever. Which, you know, th- this is a little off topic. Um, but do, do you think we'll see like a – right, because when, when a recruit is picking a school – one of the usually selling points is like a big – oh, they have a great fan base. Like they sell out the games. Everybody gets up for the games. That's that's in the positive column. Do you, do you think that pendulum will swing and that will be in, the, in like the negative column? Like, yeah, it's cool that like every seat is filled, but also 15 people are going to write you handwritten notes that say that you should go kill yourself. So I don't think it will. Because of the same reason that the playing time thing never works, right? You know, we talk all the time about how, like, no freshman thinks, oh, I'm not going to play. Right? right? Every freshman gets recruited, they think going to play, and they think, oh, yeah, the coach knows what he's talking about. I know that the freshman never played, but I'm going to play. When you're getting recruited, there's no fans being like, you suck, right? right. <laughs> A lot of these players, like, try to play on it, right? They tweet, oh, yo, show me some love. Who's your nation? I'm here, whatever, right? Like, I think all these guys, they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, the Indiana fans can be mean, but they're not going to be mean to me because I'm going to be winning. Right? Why would right. they be mean to me? I'm going to be killing it. So that's my view on the thing. Yeah. I think that is probably the one of the more interesting games. I will say one upset that I don't know that a lot of people are talking about is that UC Santa Barbara Baylor game. Like, Baylor's interior defense is a sieve. So, so they were they were 77th in Ken Palm defense when Shamal Chachua came back, I believe. They were right in that mix, though. 70s, 
And I thought, okay, you get him back. He looks healthy. This is gonna like this is gonna turn things a little bit. He's gonna help them defensively with their communication, their coverages. Instead, it's just it, it's gotten worse. They're not outside the top 100. They got torched back-to-back games by an Iowa State offense that's horrible. Like, like Iowa State has not scored over 70 points in any game. In any game that. Uh, they, they've not scored over 70 points in regulation of a game other than against Baylor since February 1st. That feels a little, excuse me, they had 71 against West Virginia. My apologies. Like, this is not a team that scores it. They, they just destroyed the rim. And the one thing that Santa Barbara does really well is they attack the rim. They have two guards, A.J. Mitchell and Josh Pierre-Louis, who are both very good at the rim. AJ Mitchell um, is six for five. He's taken 73s all year and 300 twos. He shoots 57% from two. He gets to the free throw line. Pierre Louis, who is, um, I believe, a transfer from Temple, correct? Uh, Nate Pierre Louis definitely played for Temple, right? I think Josh transferred in from Temple. Yes, he did. He's he's also like a slashing combo guard. Uh, and he aver- he shoots 55% on twos. He's taken 33s all year. They have Miles Norris, who was the top 75 recruit, went to Oregon. He plays the four. And inside at the five, they have Andre Kelly, who was, you know, a double-digit guy at Cal. So UC Santa Barbara can do a lot on the interior. This is a top 25 two-point offense, facing a bottom 50 two-point defense. If UC Santa Barbara can get some stops, and I think they might be able to, given that they have athletic guards, watch out. Like, like this one could flip in a hurry. I mean, that, that also kind of speaks to how well championship week went for having the best representatives. Like, other than, like, a Utah Valley melt and, like, and like a few toss-ups, like Kent State versus Toledo, Kenny Saw versus Liberty – it went pretty well for the favorites. Like, like we're getting the best. Yeah, even, even the fate, even the times where the number one seed didn't get it, we didn't get some really terrible ones. Right. So I, I believe I saw statistically that this is the strongest based on the metrics, the strongest that 12 through 14 has been in quite some time. Um, and I think even that extends to the top 15 seed, which is Colgate, who got absolutely screwed. Colgate went 17-1 and one in its league. It won at Syracuse, and it gets a 15 seed. What are we doing? So you, you wanted either Grand Canyon or Princeton to be a 15? What was your preference? I believe Princeton is on the 15 line, correct? Yes, you're right. I meant, I, I meant Montana State. But. Montana State and Grand Canyon, I think, would both be below Colgate on my seed list. I, I, I view Colgate, I've said this a few times today, Colgate is as big of a seeding gaff as Middle Tennessee in 2016. That doesn't mean they'll win the game, but we saw them hang in and lead in the second half against Arkansas that year, and the Arkansas team was – Incredibly athletic. So it's not like they'll be overwhelmed by Texas. They know how to handle it. They hung in with Tennessee, led in the second half. 
That was the game that they probably would have won if Rapolis Ivanowskis didn't get something stuck in his eye to leave the game. And then Wisconsin last year they were right there with. So I think it's only a matter of time for, for Mr. Langle until he wins this wins one, and it wouldn't stun me if it's now. So there was at least one more game I wanted to touch on before we moved into other territory, if 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 we were even going into poor we can or, the, or, we can or coaching changes, yeah. Uh, the the one thing I wanted to mention, so I I had put a lot of consideration in a deep TCU run. Now, do you think not having Eddie Lampkin, who was huge for their physicality, offensive rebounding persona, do you think that disadvantages TCU enough where you wouldn't consider putting them over Gonzaga? Like, can um, Coles and Cork and whoever else hold down that physicality to match up with Timmy and beat Gonzaga? I do think Cork is really good. I, I think at the end of the day, they just have to make the game really, really fast. If they do that, they have a chance, in my opinion. I mean, they're as long and athletic one through three as they come, right? I mean... I, mean, I guess Miles isn't huge, but he's one of the best players in the country. Ball's huge. Peavy's huge. O'Bannon's pretty big. They just have so much in terms of length and athleticism. They just Lampkin was just such the perfect five man for them, just going and getting missed shots and just be, being a beast on the interior. Um, I am I am considering the concern for me with the Lampkin thing is like it's bad vibes. Right, it's probably a bad locker room. Right, like the, uh, the Lampkin saying racism stuff, like I don't know, it's it's hard to know. Yeah, that's the team that's gonna go on a run. Was there anything else you wanted to mention with the bracket? You don't have a final four yet, you said. So my my first go around, I did Alabama. I did. Duke, Houston, and UConn, but that was too too chalky. It seemed like I, I went back to the drawing board, and, and then I, I I had Kansas in there, and I had Memphis, and I'm like I don't, I don't like this at all. So so I started from scratch. Um, in, in an effort to be different, I was considering Alabama versus Arizona, but Alabama is just they're clearly the most talented team in the country. I I. I don't know how I can put Arizona over. The only thing with Arizona is that they raise their game against good competition. Their their bigs are not athletic, though. They're like big physical dudes who are skilled. But Alabama has the athletic. They have the scoring power. Jeez. So what I had was Bama, Houston, um, Gonzaga, and Marquette. Bama, Houston, and Zaga Marquette. And then Bama, Houston in the title game with Bama winning it. Um, which I'm not going to sit here and say I love. You know, like, I, I don't like having the top two teams in. I, 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 I don't know that Houston will get there. But just when I filled it out, I couldn't come to anyone else. I guess the one 
team that we really didn't touch on was Texas. Yes. I, I guess we can spin this off into coaching search stuff because do do we have a mark that Rodney Terry needs to hit? And based on the bracket, do we think he can hit that mark? To me, it's the final four. Full stop. Which, I, I mean, I just I, – I, at the start of the show, I compared this Texas A&M team in terms of the, the buzz and the confidence to last year's Iowa team, which did go down the first round. Um, so then Texas could play Penn State. They could play a Xavier team that doesn't really guard and is boss-free They could play Houston. I, so I, there, there, there could be a scenario in Elite Eight of Houston and Texas, and if Texas wins, Rodney Terry gets to obtain generational wealth. See, see it's funny, though, because you can spin it that way, and then you can also spin it this direction, which is Texas's path is to play the best 15 seed. They then have to play a Texas A&M team that's played like a top 10 team for the last two months. Then they have to play Xavier, who is, you know, analytically, I believe, a top 20 team. And Xavier is, you know, an elite offensive team. It's one of the few teams that I think has the guards and – it's a Sule Boom revenge game. That is true. Played for Rodney Terry at El Paso. And then you're then you have to play the number one team in the metrics, Houston. So spun however you can spin it either way to say whether Houston has a Texas has a good path or a bad path. But I think they're really good. I mean I, yeah. they're impressive against Kansas, but Jabari Rice is great. Marcus Carr is great. They're getting mileage out of their bigs. They, they, they didn't even have Tim Allen. Uh, so. Jabari Rice is like one of the best transfers I can remember. In terms of like fit. He's like. Yeah, he, 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 I mean, was, was he even on people's no. transfer rankings? I know. I, I, I thought he'd be like the seventh man, average like four points a game, give a nice pop off the bench. You know, kind of be like what. Nahimaline is to UConn, or what? Um, I don't know. Desmond Claude is to Xavier, or something. But he's been awesome. Terrific, terrific. But yeah, it will be interesting because that is the that is the job that is looming over the whole thing. Um, we have Texas. We have Texas Tech, um, which seems inclined to make a swing at Rick Pitino. It seems very unlikely that they will connect on that swing. No, Rick is just saying yes to anyone who will. Like, oh, Rick, do you have interest in this job? He's like, yes, absolutely. Did I, you see the video of when, when they asked him about the St. John's job? He's like, well, you know, I don't even know really where St. John's is. Like, I'd have to Google it. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah, he's like, well, are you, so are you not in the, not the route from my house yet? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, as soon as the season ends, we'll evaluate some things. I don't know how to get to campus, though. <laughs> okay. How will I ever find campus? I don't know. <laughs> I do know where Iona is, so maybe I'll stay. I am interested in Iona. The people are saying he's interested in Texas Tech. He's in. He's, he's interested in Georgetown. You know, Georgetown fans are like, no, he actually wants to come here, but the uh, the president and the AD would, you know, won't won't take him. I've heard people say he's interested in Providence if Cooley leaves. He, I, I saw the, the the message board genius Twitter account. Picked up the Clemson message board where they said Rick was actually interested in Clemson. 
So he's literally just saying yes to anyone who will even look his way. I think St. John's is the most likely outcome. Still believe that. Um, what the, Texas search, the Texas Tech search will be interesting because of the you've got the Paul you've got the Scott Drew tree prominent here with potential for three different guys, which would be Grant McCasland, Paul Mills, or even potentially um, John Jakus, who's an assistant at Baylor right now. I don't think I would go that route, but I would I would just hire McCasland. But we'll see there. Um, Wichita could also be in the mix for some of the same similar candidates, like Paul Mills, DeVries um, could be in at Wichita. Kellen Sampson, who's been mentioned at Tech, could be in at U- Wichita. Um, what about Chris Jans? That one, you hear mixed things, whether he would take the job or not. If these anonymous coaching accounts say say it, I'm, that is gospel to me. You love anonymous coaching search accounts. If if you don't have your name on it and you just tweet like cryptic messages about coaches, I am locked in. <laughs> and now now that we're in portal season, we got Andrew Slater doing cryptic messages about recruits, and I'm even more locked in on that. Uh, <laughs> the the Slater tweets are all time. <laughs> Harrison Ingram to Kansas, I guess. That was that was the rumor, yeah. That that just kind of shows you at the portal, like. Back when Bryce Hopkins was looking like he was playing toward an NBA draft pick, I was like, maybe if he goes to the NBA, maybe Providence can get Harrison Ingram. And then like, you get to the portal. And it's like, oh, no, he's going to get a huge bag to go to Kansas. No doubt. Um, yeah, the, the anonymous accounts are, are all over the Jams move. I'm not sure that one happens. I would be somewhat skeptical. Um, South Florida, it, it's a very busy cycle for – the American, because you have Wichita, you have Temple now, which appears to be in the Matt Langle sweepstakes. You have um, South Florida, which is an interesting job. Um, a few different names there. They're they're courting some big night big name assistants like Chris Capco from USC, um, Ganey from uh, from from Tennessee. But I think there will be some sitting head coaches in the mix there as well. Um, who else is open in that league? UTSA is not opening. FAU could open if Dusty May gets a job. I don't know that he will, though. The path for Dusty May is a little bit more choppy now that um, Ole Miss has hired Chris Beard. Yes. And Which, Tech hired Damon Stoudemire. Yes. I, I was surprised Georgia Tech didn't go with Abdul Rahim from from uh, Kennesaw State. I mean, probably just have to wait a couple days. But um, Stoudemire's a great hire. He did an unprecedented success at at, at Pacific. Obviously, has the NBA background. He's a great player. It, it's funny that that hire is interesting to me because I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh wow, like Damon Stoudemire brings a lot of recruiting cachet." I'm like, I'm open to the possibility that he'll recruit really well. But but that's not what he did at Pacific. Part of that's the trenches job. But like, can you remember like a single kid, like even like portal guy that they got that was like highly touted? I mean, after he left, they got one of the Boone twins. Right. They got somebody else too. 
but but they have not been under under him. That was like they were taking JUCO kids. They were evaluating. Like if, yeah, I, if I remember correctly, did you go did ahead. Goodman interview Sotomayor and Sotomayor was like the, the, the recruits do not care that I played in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look, like Damon is. Also, like, people don't know, like, who Damon Stoudemire was, right? They know he played in the NBA. But it's not like he's Penny Hardaway. No, he so, was, like, a lower half, a bottom half starting point guard. And for- coached – and co- and I think, I think honestly, he'll have more, more value in saying he coached Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown than, yeah. oh, my God, I played in the NBA. Right, he'll have the Micah Shrewsbury sales pitch, like, hey, I coached all these good, you know, NBA players. But I don't think it's like, oh, he's gonna walk into like any guy, he's gotta hire the right staff to do this. But like, I don't think it's like, oh my gosh, he's gonna build a wall around Atlanta and get all these big, big time kids. Like, like to me, that's the Ron Hunter sales pitch. That's the Amir Amir Abdul Rahim sales pitch. Like, to me, like he's gonna grind. Like he's gonna get gritty kids. They're gonna play his style, and that league is winnable. He can move up quick. Like. I, I think people are spinning that hire all wrong. Like, I think he has a chance to win. I think he has a very good chance to win. I think it's a good hire. I just don't think it's like, oh, my gosh, now they're going to get all these recruits. So so we know – or I I guess we don't know, but we can assume Georgia Tech's NIL isn't crazy. You wouldn't think. I guess Pastor was only making $2 million. I think I saw that. Um. ACC is on the downturn, but you know, people always say you got to get the Atlanta kids at Georgia Tech. I'm not, you know me, I'm I'm not a geography guy with this stuff. Um, I think probably the best move is flip it quick, quick with the transfer portal. We're seeing with Ben Johnson right now, his strategy almost exploding in his face at this point with consecutive last place finishes. And, and they got this freshman class, which is a, a good class. It was under the radar, but the four dudes, Carrington, Henley, Ola Joseph, and Payne, they all played well. Like, they all looked the part that in a couple of years they'd be serious, you know, upper-level starters that could make Minnesota into a good team. But Henley's hit, hit, Henley has hit the portal already. And I saw Travis Brandon hint at more is coming. And – Payne, Ola, Joseph, Carrington, they played well. They could probably find another high major spot if they wanted to. I think it's battle. Battle Portland? Yeah. He'll be in high demand, too. He is. He did not have a good year this year. But, yes, he still will be in high demand. Shooter with size. I mean, it's funny. Last year, uh, you know, when, when, when Providence got Noah Locke, people were like, but wait, isn't he too small to play the three? Don't we need more size? I'm saying if, if if you know a shooter with size who can shoot 40% from three that wants to come to Providence, he's probably on Duke's roster or Kentucky's roster, right? And then they get Grandison and Reeves. The battle would be a quality like Kellen Grady type of addition. Yeah. There, there aren't that many shooters with size out there in the portal. No doubt. Um, what else is crack-a-lacking in the portal? Or in the coaching change world, either. Um, Casey, well, so do 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 we not have a single name for Texas yet? Not really. There, there's been some Sean Miller, and I guess 
it's nonsense. Right. I I had assumed that Sean Miller and Shaka Smart both felt kind of burned by the by the big brand and 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 were kind of kind of stay where they're at. Probably more so Shaka than Sean Miller in in in, in thinking about that in, in uh, hindsight, but um really don't have a name there. What what's funny? What's funny is that if if Shaka had not been the coach of Texas, Shaka would have a lot of sense for Texas. Absolutely. But we'll see. I mean, Shaka has got the team that's going to be preseason number one next year if Omanex comes back. Which most most of those guys don't come back, right? The like Omax will definitely be on an NBA roster at least two way next year. Like he's six eight, he really defends, he can shoot. Yeah, three and the four. I would be stunned if he's not at least a two way next year. Agree. Um, should should we talk George Sam? I mean, we can. I mean, it, it feels like, you know, this is Cooley's 12th year at Providence. It feels like we've been playing this game for at least 10 years. For either the media or, well, it's got to come from the media. It's not going to come from the schools themselves. Are going to push in Cooley. Either they want Cooley to leave or they think he should leave or they think he will go to school XYZ. This one feels like there's the most smoke. I've seen some people argue that it's a leverage play. And that Georgetown's going to end up with Micah Shrewsbury or even Mike Bray. Um, I, I certainly would not be surprised if Cooley left. I'm not going to be that guy. Uh, you know, the day that Dan Hurley left URI for UConn, I went on the, the URI message board to get kind of a pulse of what, what they were thinking. Little did I know that later that day he'd be gone. But I was just reading those posts, and they were like, Dan Hurley's different, he's loyal, he's going to stay here at URI. I'm just thinking, you guys are so freaking delusional. Like, do you listen to yourselves? And now while I think Cooley could could stay, I I, I, I don't want to look back and be like, this dude's going to just, you know, stay and be content at, at, at Providence and turn down bigger money, bigger opportunities elsewhere. I don't want to be caught with my with my pants down there. No doubt. I think if there's a guy who would be loyal, it would be Cooley. And I do think there are like some valid valid questions about like the strength of the job, like how good, how much better is Georgetown? I do think it's a clearly better job. It it means something, and I think it means something to Cooley, which is why he's open to taking it. And I, I, I do. I think I, it's, I think it's a better job because it's clear that Providence probably doesn't have. NIL that they they probably don't have a secret NIL fund that none of us know about. Um, I, I imagine, you know, this is just complete conjecture on my part, but maybe there have been either recruits or transfers that have reached out. And then, you know, the Providence brand is is hot, and they're like, all right, I'm I'm ready for Providence. Just you know, make out the the check for a hundred thousand dollars to my handler. And like, oh no, there is no check. <laughs> you, you gotta come here for nothing. Uh, that's that's what I imagine spurred this on. Uh, but that's just c- c- complete assumption on my part. 
But if Georgetown has NIL and Providence doesn't, then Georgetown is clearly the better job. But go on. That's fair. So, right, my, my view on it is this. Like, I, I think he's just seriously considering it. I still think that I'd be su- somewhat surprised if it actually goes that route. Um, I, 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 I think if, if you maybe bet today, I still would bet that's Shrewsbury. Which I think would be a good hire. I just can't believe, like, some of the names you see tossed out there for Georgetown. And we were talking about this via text. Like, like there are people who think that, like, Jeff Capel or Kevin Keats would be a good hire. Like, what? And I think those would be better hires than Mike Bray. I think Bray would be better than Kevin Keats. It, it, if I'm a Georgetown fan and we hire Mike Bray, I'm shutting it down. If I'm a, if, as a Providence fan, went to Georgetown and Mike, we got Mike Bray at Providence, I would, I would throw like the biggest tantrum of all time. Mike Bray's went to Elite Eights. Let's relax. That was a long time ago. Yes. But um, I think if you're Providence, you want like a Ryan Odom type. Well, here's 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 what I've been thinking, right? When people were mentioning Micah Shrewsbury to Georgetown, they were saying Micah Shrewsbury only makes two million at Penn State. Well, Cooley makes four million at Providence. So we, if, if we have four million to throw around, that's double Micah Shrewsbury's salary. Why, if, if Georgetown turns him down, why don't we just throw four million at him? You could try. I think Shrewsbury probably would. I think the ability to be in the Big Ten probably would value, be valuable to Shrewsbury. But before especially if Notre Dame says no, there's another route. It could be an interesting spring in the Big East. Absolutely. And then, and then my guy, Kyle Smith, who literally no one's on board for except for me. You love the Kyle Smith. It, uh, it, it, it did not go over well in, in the group chat. It, no, no, it, it, would lo- it would be a dis- disastrous press conference, I'm sure. Yes. My favorite, my 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 my, my under the radar reasoning for why Brad wants Kyle Smith is that Kyle Smith, uh, he's tired of Cooley being terrible in the metrics, so he's gonna get the guy who will immediately be great in the metrics. Like Providence will be like four spots lower in Ken Palm next year if they hire Kyle Smith, but they'll go like thirteen and nineteen, and they'd be like, well, see what we've done. Well, I mean, the whole thing about Kyle Smith, and in, 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 in you wrote the article, so this is coming from you, like he can't even get, like, a visitor. Like, no one wants to even, like, look at Washington State. Providence gets visitors, like, every week. There's the prep school, there's this. It's local, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty centrally located. It, you know, there's New York and, and Jersey are close. There's Massachusetts, all those prep schools. They got the big tournament in Providence where, all, where a bunch of teams come through. I mean, they have never had a problem getting visitors to Providence. Um, facilities are good. They can pay the coach a lot. I figure Kyle Smith could recruit better there. Um, we know he can win. I mean, getting Washington State to back-to-back NITs, I think, is significant, given how much they got rocked in the portal last year. Agreed. And we said he's cursed. And then they come out and they're higher in T-rank. Than Providence. My my concern with with him is I think the retention stuff is partly part partly his fault. 
and, and not just situation. But I do think that he is not the easiest guy to deal with sometimes. Because obviously, if if if, if Patino wanted Providence over St. John's, which seems doubtful, I'd obviously take him in a heartbeat. Don't even bring up the sun. I, somebody brought that up to me. I had a heart attack. Um, Chris Mack, I, I, I'd uh, just be worried that he's so financially set that he doesn't need to grind as much. Um, but I, I, I would certainly take Chris Mack. You threw out Ryan Odom. I think I'd probably take Ryan Odom. I wouldn't be excited about it. But I, I would, I would rather have Cooley than all these guys. Even, even Rick, Rick Pitino, I think. Um, just to, to keep the continuity, I, he's obviously done a great job. If I mean Hopkins, Carter, and Floyd can't transfer, they're stuck. So if Cooley's back and they're all back and get a couple of transfers, problems could be really good next year. So I don't know, but people are really freaking out about it. That that is for sure. It will both, be interesting. Both Georgetown fans, Providence fans, UConn fans, everyone is either getting a laugh in. Getting excited for their new coach, or 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 or, or freaking out about the the future tra- trajectory of their program. It's gonna be fascinating days ahead. But yeah. um, I'm excited. Tournament should be fun. First weekend's gonna be great. Do you have any traditions, Brad, for the first weekend? Food you order, people you hang out with, place you go. Uh, my couch. And, and and I and I grind and wash it. Watch them all sitting there for the usually it's what 13 hours. Usually that last game will end yeah. maybe not quite at one o'clock, but I'm kind of close to that. What's the uh, what's the food choice? Like what what do you, what food do you want out? Some, somewhere quick because I take a half day of work. Because some of us have to have to work here, um, so I get out at 12. I gotta get home for 12:15, and then for, for dinner you got that window. I, I I noticed on Friday at least Purdue's the first one. Purdue. Against the 16, so I can be a little late to that, I guess. Fair enough. Maybe just show up for Providence, Kentucky at 7:15. Should be uh, should be fun. See you all next week with 16 teams left in the race for a national title. That's hard to believe.